0: Editor for MLEX's London Bureau. Today we'll be looking at a corruption scandal that started in South Africa but is now piquing the interest of regulators worldwide. The starting point? A massive data leak, hundreds of gigabytes of information that exposed the way an influential South African family, the Guptas, conducted business. In South Africa, the prime focus has been on the Guptas' undue influence on national politics. But at MLEX, we've been looking more closely at the ramifications for international corporations in the country and more recently abroad too. With me, Ben Lucas, MLEX's bribery and corruption correspondent in London. Hi Ben, thanks for joining me. Hi Anna. Ben, you've been following this story quite closely. Just taking a step back, can you sum up how it started?
1: So yeah, as you said, there was this um, data leak um, that has now been coined the Gupta Leaks. Uh, And this is about the Gupta family. In particular, their three brothers, AJ, Atul and Rajesh Gupta, uh, originally from India, arrived in South Africa in the early 1990s uh, and have since established a significant business empire there. And what the leaks show um, is how the Guptas have allegedly used their extensive um, business network to wield undue influence over the South African government and um, state-owned enterprises in the country there.
0: So it seems that this is a political scandal that has embarrassed the the political elite of South Africa, but as the hundreds of emails have been unveiling names of international companies as well, um, we have McKinsey, SAP Software, Liebherr, just to name a few. Um, In what way have these companies become involved with the Guptas, and what are they suspected of doing?
1: So each of these companies that are uh, named in the leaks are Basically, accused of using um, or hiring Gupta linked companies to help secure contracts, uh, lucrative contracts, with state owned enterprises. So, in the majority of cases, it's either ESCOM, which is the state power utility, or Transnet, which is South Africa's um, state rail operator.
0: And based on, on, on what we know so far from these leaks, why would this conduct in itself be problematic?
1: Um, this would be seen as um, unfair business practice to essentially circumvent a tendering process, um, whereby you know using the Gupta-linked uh, companies to kind of you know, secure that contract is something that other companies won't have access to. It's a, um, it could be seen, if proven, as a corrupt way of doing business. So it, it raises suspicion of corruption uh, and corporate malpractice if proven.
0: So it would be almost like akin to bribery. A-
1: akin to bribery, exactly, exactly.
0: Right, and so this this happened back in, in in May. We first heard about it, and since then, there's been a lot of pressure from NGOs and, and South African lawmakers to keep the issue alive. How did it, this How did this first attract the attention of international regulators?
1: Well, in the last few weeks, we've heard how German software company SAP has confirmed that it has reported um, corruption allegations. Uh, about a South African subsidiary to the US authorities um, as part of a self-report to the DOJ. And, and wh- the why would the company do that? So a company would look to try and do that, to try and um, be seen as um, cooperative and doing the right thing um, in the eyes of the law, that they found something potentially wrong and they want to report that. And by doing that, companies can often be um, awarded sort of cooperation credit um, when trying to potentially enter a settlement agreement um, if something is found there to uh, have been um, not proper.
0: So um, from South Africa, they've gone and reported to the US authorities. There are yes. also the German authorities, I believe, that, that have confirmed investigations. And what are they looking at specifically? What are the companies involved?
1: So in the example of uh, SAP, this is, again, um, the company is accused uh, of hiring a gupta Link company called um, Cad House, uh, I believe, um, to secure um, contracts uh, with one of the state-owned enterprises um, there. And, and as you said, the German authorities are now looking at this um, incident in particular, well, the prosecutors in Mannheim. Um, but that's an example of a self-report. But the other interesting dynamic in this as well is that before um, it even got this far with SAP, lawmakers um, and NGOs in South Africa um, as well as reporting these allegations to the South African authorities, we're also trying to flag um, these allegations to the US and the SFO uh, in the UK, for example. Basically, they don't really see that the South African authorities will take these allegations seriously. They see these organisations as uh, what is known as captured um, by the interests, uh, by corrupt interests in Indeed,
0: that, that has become a bit of a, a coined term, state capture Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. During this whole process,
1: yeah, this, this popular term for how entire institutions and their decision-making structures have become a, completely appropriated by corrupt by corrupt interests, and in this case, it's the um, the Gupta's family network and, and and how and how they've done that. Um, but yeah, that was kind of how the scandal has sort of been tried to flag to the regulators, and that's quite an interesting dynamic that I think companies should be aware of. That you know, even if you are caught out in conduct further afield, you know people are always going to try and flag the interests of the sort of international heavyweights in, in this field.
0: And, and, and in the UK, recently as well, we've seen some lawmakers raise concerns about the potential links of UK banks with South African companies. What are the risks for the banks here?
1: The risk for the banks here is obviously whether um, they have, have, have been laundering any money or not, um, linked to um, the Guptas and the corruption allegations um, that have been unveiled, and... Um, So recently UK lawmaker Peter Hayne, a member of the House of Lords, um, has called on the UK authorities um, to investigate the role of British banks Uh, and Hayne himself has claimed that an unnamed British bank, which has been reported to be HSBC, was responsible for moving some of the money belonging to the Gupta family. Uh, And whilst, you know, this is what Hayne alleges, is that although these transactions were flagged um, by the bank um the headquarters overrode those suspicions and told bankers to ignore it and you know whilst the bank hasn't commented on those allegations specifically um it has said that it is now responding to inquiries from the financial conduct authority here in the uk so again this is another example of how the corruption scandal has has spread much further afield and is you know um gaining the interests of international regulators.
0: I mean, it seems ideally that companies should really try to avoid this type of situation. Yes. In, 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 in in your experience, um, what are the lessons that can be learned from this type of case?
1: Uh, so I think there's one um, example in particular I think companies um, can, lear- can learn from. So with the allegations surrounding um, the management consultancy McKinsey, um, now they are alleged to have hired a company called Trillion. Uh, as a means of securing uh, a contract with, with Escom, And now Trillion is said to be linked to the Gupta family. Now, the firm strongly denies any involvement in bribery and corruption, but through its internal investigation, it did find, uh, quote, inadequate compliance procedures. And as part of all this, it came out that they actually um, engaged in work with Trillion before they'd actually completed their due diligence uh, and, and you know, without a contract in place. So, you know, had they been slightly, um, had they taken their time a bit more and not been too eager to rush into to business with them, they could have potentially saved themselves a lot, a lot of trouble.
0: But do companies always have this time to to conduct due diligence? I feel like this isn't the first time that this issue has, has arisen.
1: No, and, and, and obviously that will be a, a conflict in, in that scenario, but it should be something that companies do take the time uh, to do, because it's not only... Um, the risk of um, enforcement action from the authorities you know even now whilst there's been no um, wrongdoing that has been proven at all or it's even gone through the courts for example Barclays Africa Group has said that they won't enter into any new contracts with McKinsey and is in the process of winding down any contracts with them so it's become a bit of a PR disaster for um, McKinsey and that's the other risk in all of this is that you know that they're, they're going to potentially lose business and so it should be seen as actually a way of saving money for the business and it should be something that they, they should invest in really.
0: Ben thank you very much for joining me today to talk about the Gupta leaks. I'm sure this will keep you and MLEX's wider bribery and corruption team busy for the years to come. If you're still with us you can read MLEX's story on the Gupta leaks by following the links below. Ben is MLEX's bribery and corruption correspondent in London and I'm Anna Rego managing editor for the London Bureau. That's all from us today. I hope you enjoy the conversation and hope to see you soon for another next podcast.